Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I'm known. Lots of films up for review this week, but unfortunately this is one of those weeks where I really am going to struggle to recommend any of them. In fact, I'm probably not going to recommend any of them, but since some of them are available on streaming services that you probably already subscribed to and we are in a major content drought, you might want to listen, just uh, make your own opinion, of course, but here's here's my thoughts on the following. Starting off with I'm Your Woman, which is on Amazon Prime starting today. It stars Rachel Brosnahan, who I, mm, not a fan. I think partially because just Mrs. Maisel, which is what she's known for, is not a show I'm interested in. I get a headache when I hear it because they just, they're very exaggerated, which it's a style. I know people like it. I can acknowledge that it brings people joy, but it's not for me, and so having her be the lead in a film as well. I, my expectations were not set very high, but I was very open to it because it is different from what she does on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's a 1970s crime thriller about a woman and basically, you know, not really a spoiler, but she's just immediately on the run with a baby in tow. And that's pretty much where it ends. It's not where it ends, but it's where my interest ended because there's a lot that happens and simultaneously nothing that happens in this film. And also in a film called I'm Your Woman, it is very upsetting that it fails the Bechdel test because there actually are two female, pretty strong actresses, generally speaking, if you acknowledge Rachel Brosnahan as a strong actress. The other one is played by Marsha Stephanie Blake. Every conversation was about men. Even the ones that, you know, there were plenty of conversations between female characters and somehow it all ended up being about men, either in the form of family members or relationships or whatever. But I'm like, the film is called I'm Your Woman. What are you doing here? I feel like I know what they were trying to do with this. It's sort of trying to balance that sense of monotony and tediousness and expectation of unpaid labor that women are expected to do, right? <laughs> half the film is watching her do chores, is what it feels like. And then the other half is these interwoven crime-related things, but they don't mesh together well. I didn't care for her as a character. Not in a, I didn't dislike her necessarily, but I just didn't care what happened to her. And, and this is a film that really kind of needs you to care what happens to her because otherwise, what's the point of watching it? I didn't care about the stakes. They were artificially high. The only thing I made, you know, I just didn't care. I, I don't know how else to say it. I'm not 100% sure what audience it's aimed at. I suppose there's a, an attempt at a sort of women's empowerment message somewhere along the line. But again, when you fail the Bechdel test, it's really hard to justify recommending it and also having it be that. I just, it, it, looking at it from the lens of, okay, is this an action thriller independent of gender that I would be interested? The answer ended up being no, because I didn't care about the action. It wasn't clear. The stakes were overly communicated, but weren't felt. And then in terms of, okay, well, is this sort of a pro-feminist message? No, nah, didn't really feel like it. I think that's what it wanted to be, but that doesn't mean it succeeded. So not for me. I'm not sure if it's for you as well. You're of course always welcome to form your own opinion about it, but I'm going to go ahead and suggest that you save your time and energy on it. If you, especially if you are coming to this because you are a fan of Rachel Brosnahan, this is not going to be Mrs. Maisel. This is just going to be pretty boring is what it ultimately came down to. It was pretty boring and underwhelming. And, and then there's that additional layer of failure. So I'm only going to give it two and a half out of five. And then next up is a film called Wild Mountain Time. And it's written and directed by John Patrick Shanley, who is the writer of Moonstruck, starring Cher, the director director of Joe versus the Volcano, actually the screenwriter of an animated film called We're Back a Dinosaur Story, which I have vivid memories of from my childhood, but uh, you know, I guess on Rotten Tomatoes it has a 38% or 49% from the audience, so not the greatest track record. And he's also probably best known as the writer and director of Doubt. He wrote the play and then directed the film, and that film got Academy Award nominations for 
almost every actor in it, including Meryl Streep, who we're going to talk so much about in the next two films. But back to Wild Mountain Time. I promise you, no Oscars in the future for this film. In fact, I don't think anything's in the future for this film. I do. This was so terrible. And I went into it with a completely open mind, honestly. It stars Jamie Dornan and Emily Blunt, and it takes place in Ireland, and it's basically set on two different farms. They're neighboring, and it's a romantic story, blah, 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 you know, unrequited or requited or ships in the night type love. It starts off with Christopher Walken doing this voiceover, trying to do an Irish accent. And I adore Christopher Walken, but he could not do an Irish accent if his life depended on it. I don't understand why you would cast him in this as good of an actor as he is. If this film is dependent on Irish accents and the idea of these people being from Ireland, why would you cast Christopher Walken? Like, I want to go into a Walken impression right now, but I know mine is not strong enough to justify it. But I can't even do a Walken, so I can't do a Walken impression of Walken trying to do an Irish accent. But let me tell you, it just sounds like Christopher Walken. But all of it is about them being, you know, an Irish family and these farms being passed down from family to family. And then... Well, Emily Blunt. I, I very much like Emily Blunt, actually. Her accent seems fine. I'm not Irish, so I don't know accurately if it's close, but at least it sounds a whole lot closer than what Christopher Walken sounded like. The care It made no sense in terms of the characters why this gorgeous woman is pining after this guy, Jamie Dornan, who, again, neighbor, who's shown zero interest in her his entire life. Like, she is just wasting away. He has zero redeeming qualities, really. There's no compelling reason for her to be sitting around wasting her life away, waiting for him to realize that he loves her. Or at least they don't demonstrate it, which I feel like as storytellers, it's their job to give us something to latch onto in terms of their motivation. They have almost no chemistry together. And then there's also this, again, kind of like I'm Your Woman, there's a whole little subplot about her being an independent woman and bucking traditions, and yet at the same time, she's going on and on about how all she wants to do is take care of him and be someone's wife and he's not interested in marriage and it's just he shows no interest in her she shows no particular logical interest in him the only people who have chemistry in this film is John Hamm and Emily Blunt John Hamm shows up he plays Christopher Walken's nephew so I guess cousin to Jamie Dornan who is an American thank god he doesn't try and do an Irish accent as well wants to buy the farm uh, he and Emily Blunt have plenty of chemistry that's fine and that that at that point in the film I was like oh okay is this going to sort of snap Jamie Dornan's character out of it? I just, it's so bad. It's, it's so, so bad. I've been watching a ton of those crappy Lifetime movies for the podcast stuff. And this is just, this doesn't even fall into that because it's trying to be so self-serious. And yet it has zero chemistry between these people. The plot is so convoluted. It could be solved in one conversation. That conversation doesn't really happen towards the, until the end of the film. And then it doesn't make sense. It, if you were looking for a romance movie, this is not it. If you are looking for a film about how wonderful Ireland is, not it as well. If you are looking for a film where Christopher Walken tries to do an Irish accent and fails, that's the only thing this has going for it. So hardcore pass on this one. Honestly, this is going to be rough, but in terms of films that I've seen this year, this may be one of the worst because... It has the makings of a legitimate movie. It has some talented people. Jamie Dornan, I don't have strong feelings on one way or another, but I do think he's really good in The Fall, where he plays a psychopath. <laughs> so, you know, that shows me he has talent. So you have this recipe for possible success. It really, there's a, I feel like there's a low bar in this type of film because you are inherently, you go into this rooting for a couple like that. Like there are very few things that can stand in the way of rooting for them because that is just what we are sort of trained to do with these types of films. And yet really just wanted her to get out of there. Like it just was, ugh. 
I'm gonna give it one out of five. I'm gonna take a quick break and be right back. And then next up is a Meryl Streep double feature. And I'm gonna start with The Prom, which is on Netflix, and it stars Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, Keegan-Michael Key, Andrew Rannells, and Kerry Washington. And it's directed by Ryan Murphy, and I found this film to be problematic in a couple senses. So it's based on a Broadway musical that started off-Broadway in 2016 in Atlanta, and ended up making it to Broadway, I think, in 2018. So it's a modern story. It's written in modern times. It takes place at the present. And yet somehow it feels antiquated, and I'm not sure what audience it's aimed at. The premise of it is that these Broadway stars who are sort of on a, a low point in their career, dealing with a little bit of a perception PR personality problem, decide that they're going to, quote, take up a cause to build better sentiment towards themselves. And they find out about this girl in Indiana who is basically being persecuted because she's gay and she wants to bring her girlfriend to the prom, and the PTA says no. Issue-wise? totally get it. I think this is valid. It's actually, I, I hope that this is an antiquated issue. I feel like I haven't heard about this type of thing in a while, but it might just because the news cycle is dominated by so many other things that, well, also we're not having problems right now, but I, I, anyway, so the core of the story feels like it actually should be about this woman and her coming out journey and the, the strife she's facing. But because it's a film about theater, by theater people, and starring theater people, and for theater people, it ends up being about the, quote, adults, and when I say adults, you know, it's like the middle-aged cast members for this. And that doesn't feel good, because the strongest parts of the film, by far, are the parts concerning the teenage girl. She's played by a woman named Jo Ellen Pellman, She's a good singer, good performer. I think also just in general, the story around her is the cleanest. It's the most logical journey. Everyone else is just super selfish. Like her selfishness, the Joellen Pellman's character is named Emma. Her selfishness isn't really selfish. It's just wanting to participate in this cultural event that other teenagers don't have to deal with any obstacles in order to participate in, right? Uh, nobody, Nobody's saying, hey, you're a straight couple. You can't come to the prom. Like that's unacceptable. But because she wants to bring a woman suddenly it's a big problem and and I get it I would have been fine if we just focused on that but we follow every other character gets their little journey and it just feels like we're constantly tangenting and also I just I don't like the selfishness of the other characters they go on a journey but there's a feeling of forced joyousness to a lot of the performances and that can work on stage because you're playing big you're playing to a large audience there's also that sort of shared experience of being in a theater together and I'm talking about live theater Broadway not a movie theater even this just felt wrong and unpleasant. And again, I don't know what age bracket it's aimed at because a lot of the references are a little more old school, not old school, but they're aimed more at like the history of musical theater and theater and Broadway and performances. But you're supposedly, your storyline is centering around this young person who has nothing to do with musical theater, right? I just, I struggle with films about the industry sometimes. And I, I have this problem with everything from Mank to The Prom because it gets very insular and... I just, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't have fun. I also woo, really, really upset by the casting of James Corden in this because one, I've said repeatedly before, I don't really like James Corden. I, it's, it's fun. It's actually funny because my biggest problem with him is I feel like he's that sort of self-centered, but tries to be humble sometimes, but actually comes off like a jerk character. But his character is gay. And this is a film that is pretty much all about the challenges of being gay, be it as a teenager or, you know, all of the, several of the adults in the stories talk about their struggles with uh, coming out or the, the ramifications of that. So why would you give this role 
to a straight man. There are so many talented gay actors out there who can sing, who can dance, who can do whatever, who are charming, who are affable. You already have Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman and Kerry Washington, and, and I guess Keegan-Michael Key. Like, you don't need James Corden to add to the star power. And he isn't amazing in this. Like, he's fine, I guess, but especially to Ryan Murphy, who is really, I feel like, at the forefront of a lot of uh, LGBTQ positive things. He has so much control over projects like this. I promise you Netflix wasn't like, you have to have James Corden. So why would you give this role to someone who is straight? And that's not to say that straight people can't play gay people, but it's, it, there is this whole challenge of a lack of inclusivity and gay actors are often not allowed to play straight roles because they can't play it straight. And so if you're not gonna give them the gay roles either, where are they supposed to go, right? Like how is Ryan Murphy of all people exacerbating this issue with this film? Anyway, that aside, I just didn't enjoy it. And I am gonna guess there's a subset of theater people who will enjoy it. But if you're just sort of an average audience looking for something fun and, and one, okay, one, it is a musical. So if you don't like musicals in general, this is not gonna be the one I'm gonna try and say to you, like, no, no, really give it a chance. Don't, don't watch it. Two, if you don't like Broadway at all, which again, musicals, Broadway, pretty intertwined, but there's plays on Broadway too, not gonna be for you. And then while the base story is there, because there's so much distraction from these selfish characters, this isn't a good film that I would say to like middle America, even though it's set in middle America, to be like, hey, no, 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 it's uh, gay people, they're just like you. Like, it's really fine for them to go to prom with their girlfriends. It's not gonna take anything away from you. It just gets so lost in all of the other stuff that I don't feel like this would change anyone's mind about anything. So it's it's really disappointing in that sense. I, I, it's so long. And I, I see this as someone who is a fan of musicals and a fan of Broadway and likes going to the theater and loves all that stuff. And generally speaking, I mean, I was apprehensive about this one, but I was like, okay, maybe it could work. No, it doesn't. The songs are fine. It's just, it's not, I would have rather seen it. I don't think actually I would have liked the musical itself if I'd seen it on Broadway. So I will say that for it. If you see the trailer, you're going to know right away whether or not this is for you. And it was not for me, but I watched it anyway. I personally am only going to give it two out of five. But my hope is that if there are people who benefit positively from it, that, that that's great, right? Like if there are teenagers out there or adults even out there who feel represented in this, I more power to you. But for me as an audience member, not a fan. And if the prom wasn't, and if the prom wasn't hard enough for me to get into, let them all talk even further from my demographic audience preferences, etc., etc. This one, again, starring Meryl Streep. And she is a celebrated author who goes on a boat journey with some friends and brings her nephew with her. Uh, and, and so she's an author. She has a new book due. She's also the recipient of an award and doesn't want to fly. And so her agent, Gemma Chan, books her on the Queen Mary 2 and she brings her friends along. And I don't know if this film was sponsored by the Queen Mary 2. I feel like it was. It's just a lot of shots of fancy things happening on a cruise ship. I have this complaint about modern day Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep keeps playing the same role over and over and over and over again. She is basically Miranda Priestly in this, slightly less mean, but still equally self-centered and relatively cold. I would say in the prom, she's a little more broad, but, but it's nothing to write home about. And again, I really didn't enjoy the prom. This one, she is, again, a self-absorbed, very successful and talented character who, that's that's about it. And I, Candace Bergen and Diane Weist play her friends who are along for the ride, and there's some interpersonal stuff there. Lucas Hedges, I know Lucas Hedges is a better actor than this. I don't know where this went wrong. I don't know if it was the direction. Steven Soderbergh directed it and I have mixed feelings on him. Like some of his stuff I really like, some of it I'm just not interested in. Gemma Chan was fine in this, but I just, 
this was really just super privileged. I feel like it was meant to romanticize a certain time and maybe they talk about this relatively often in the movie, but romanticize a time before technology was really intrusive. There's a whole plot line involving that. And maybe that's, you know, partially why they're on the cruise ship or ship boat. I don't know what you'd call it. I just didn't care. I didn't care about Streep. I didn't care about Bergen. I didn't care about Weist. I didn't, I cared about Gemma Chan just because I like Gemma Chan, but she's, it was just it, cold. I felt like it was cold when it was wanted to be warm. It's also a script that I feel like is so proud of its own intelligence and the references. I, I like. I, I just feel like the author was sitting there being like, oh, I'm so much smarter than everyone. They're not going to get these moments. They're so, like, this is such a deep literary cut. And that's not fun as an audience member, you know, to, to not be included. You can be a highly intelligent script and, and have plenty of cultural or, or academic references and still be inclusive and interesting. This was not that. I am definitely not the age demographic for this. This is uh, aimed at a slightly older audience. And I think that's nice. You know, I do think it's nice to show life beyond. You know, I think it's show, it's nice to show that life, especially for women, continues beyond 30. You know, we don't shrivel up and die once that age benchmark passes. But And that these characters are relatively multidimensional. But my God, are they self-absorbed and boring. And I don't really want to be along for that ride. It's also just a super privileged film. That's really what it comes down to. It's a lot of lot of white privilege in this. I, I would say a lot of white privilege in the prom as well, except for the fact that Carrie Washington's there. But generally speaking, there's a the, it's still there. The other thing for me is I thought this was going to be more fun, like the film Book Club. Not that Book Club is a good film, which by the way also stars Candace Bergen. But at least there was a sense of joy to that. This one was just so self serious that it wasn't enjoyable. It's a hard pass for me. I think this is definitely banking on the Meryl Streep factor and the whole like, ooh, she was willing. To to be in an HBO Max. Oh, it's on HBO Max. She was in an HBO Max original film. But I feel like at the end of the day, Meryl Streep was like, sure, I guess I'll do this film because you'll put me on a boat and it will be a vacation for me and you're gonna put me in some very nice quarters and I'm not really gonna have to try too hard. Cool? Cool. So if that's what you're interested in watching, go ahead. But for me, I'm gonna give this 2.3 out of 5. That is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you could leave a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.